we're in this third message of a series called Asking for a Friend where we're, we're literally looking at we're looking at questions that you asked out of our Easter survey. Every Easter we give a survey of what are the topics that you would like to hear about. What are some messages you would like to hear or sermons, topics you would like to hear. And we literally just take the top five of those. We didn't make them up. We didn't grab them out of somewhere else. We just took your answers, the top five of over 500 responses on that survey, and we're answering those questions for you in this series. So Jesus would do this. This is not uncommon. The disciples would come to Jesus and have a question and say, Hey, what about this? Or tell us why this didn't work or how this happened or how the kingdom works. And then Jesus would tell you know, a parable or a story. He would answer that question. He would, most of the sermons he preached were responses to questions that people had. He would teach on those topics. So that's what we've been doing the last couple of uh, weeks. And in week number one, we, the number one question that you asked, we looked at that biggest question, which was how do you raise kids that honor God, that love God, that love God's house in today's culture? Hopefully that helped you. If you didn't catch that, you can catch up uh, on the podcast. And then last week... Uh, our dear friend, Pastor Danny Rivers from LifePoint in uh, San Antonio, he preached a masterpiece about handling stress. And if you weren't here last week, I'm asking you that you, this week you go catch up on that message. Absolutely life-changing for me and uh, just about handling anxiety. Told, very, very personal to him. Sort of hit a wall a couple of years ago with anxiety and stress. And it literally almost killed him. Literally. Uh, almost killed him, and just what what the message that God gave him birthed out of that season was just life changing last week. So hopefully that helped you. And uh, this week, uh, this is the number three question. This is so funny to me. I always uh, this is this is I loved preaching about this on a Brandy. My wife said, "Are you going to preach about that on our birthday?" I was like, "Yeah," because I think I think this is re- I really do think that a lot of people ask this. This is the third question that you ask, but it's almost as important as how do I handle my stress? And you ready for this? It's how do I deal with the difficult people in my life? I think that's absolutely hilarious. That's like, I want to know how to go to heaven. I want to know how to raise good kids. And how do I live with this idiot that I'm married right here? How do I stay married to this dummy? How do I keep working in that office and I hate the jerk that I work for? Come on, somebody. How do, how do I, like, if your boss goes to church here, just keep looking straight ahead. How, how, do I, like, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with these difficult people? Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question right up front. How many of you know a control freak or a difficult person in your life? Hands up. Let me see your hands up. If you know a control freak, keep your hands up or a difficult Some of you raised your hands and the control freak said, put your hand down. <laughs> like <laughs> I saw you. Like so some of you are like right here. Like my hands up. It's him right here. This is it. <laughs> like this is my difficult person in my life. It could be. It could be a lot of things in your life. It could be an authority figure. You know, someone that's you know a boss or you know a supervisor. Somebody in your life that's abusing the power that they've given you. You've never known anybody probably that had this Napoleon complex, have you? You ever known anybody that's a that that has a, a problem with? Uh, the, the authority and they get a little bit of authority and like and, and then it goes to their head. Why, some of your hands are still up the whole time. I don't know if you're worshiping or you're like me. It could it could be it could be someone who's not necessarily a malicious person. They're just they're hurting or they're afraid or they're insecure and it sort of comes out in the relationship you have with them. You know what I'm saying? All the married people, I would advise you not to make any sudden moves in this message or you're going to need marriage counseling after this. So just look straight ahead. It couldn't it maybe not an authority figure. It may just be someone that's here I I just call these people like an emotional black hole. You know what I mean? Like like they just require it doesn't matter how much you give them 
It's never enough attention. You know what I'm talking about right there? It's like it's this emotional black hole that you just keep having to fill it with more attention, more affirmation, and you just get drained by this difficult person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Keep your yeah, hands up. Yeah. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't know how to handle, like, I don't know. When, when I do something they don't like, you don't, anybody know people that just pout all the time? Anybody know a powder? Come on, somebody. Anybody raising a powder? I am. Anybody married to, don't, 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 don't. Stomp off. I'm just, I'm mad about that. I'm not doing it. No money. I'm talking to you. Complainer. Anybody, you know, somebody that complains all the time. Nothing positive at, at all. I have someone in my life that will go, unnamed that isn't in the room today so it's not uh, brandy I'm not that dumb but there are there's a, that, that I, I don't know that I've ever eaten a meal out at a restaurant with this person that something hasn't been wrong with their food you know what I'm talking about Some, like hair always flies onto their plate you know what I mean I'm like girl I don't know I'm just, I'm just I'm just getting down it don't matter to me never been they're just complaining about everything it's just something's always wrong or, or, or maybe people that give you the silent treatment you know those people that that you know you you upset them and then they don't answer your like you, you, you're texting and everything's cool until you give them that one thing and then and then suddenly they they their phone dies you know what I'm saying Air quotes, their phone dies for like two days, you know, and then uh, I'm just not replying to them. You got to walk around on eggshells with them all the time. If you're if you're if you're thinking of somebody, I don't want you to point at them. But everybody's got difficult people in their life. Everybody has difficult people in their life. So, and the Bible talks about this. You know, when I started studying to try to how do I answer your question according to God's word, the Bible really does talk a lot about this. The, I think the overarching verse that I found that I really thought, man, this speaks to this the best is found in Second Timothy two. This is a New Living Translation. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this. Again I say, don't get involved with dummies. It's, that's, a, that's the message version. This is in the New Living. It says, don't be involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights. That right there is about all the marriage counseling 99% of you need. Just don't get involved in it. You know what I mean? Like if you know her hot button, just don't be dumb. You know what I mean? Just don't say the thing. Don't be difficult because a servant of the Lord, and listen close, now he's talking about you and I. Christians, a servant of the Lord, don't, we don't quarrel or, or, or fight or start fights, but we're to be kind to everybody. Be able to teach everybody. Well, you can't teach somebody if you can't keep your temper together. You, you, you got to be patient with difficult people. Now, this is God's word to you today. So how do I deal with difficult people? I think 2 Timothy tells us. We're going to have to learn how to keep our mouths closed sometimes, to be kind to everybody, to always be willing to teach and, and, and keep ourselves in a posture that we can teach, and then be patient with difficult people and gently instruct those who oppose the truth. They will come to their senses. Here's what the Bible says. They will come to their senses. They'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap eventually, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever it is that he wants. Like it's, it's amazing, it's, it's amazing what happens in people's lives when you and I respond a different way. And this is what the Bible says what happens. It's possible that they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. So the people in your life that are being difficult, some of them, I think the enemy may be using them in your life, not because they're such jerks, because he's testing you. And he wants to know how you're going to respond to them. And how you respond 
may determine whether or not that they come to their senses and things change in their lives and they break their way out of that trap. How many of you would like that terrible person in your mind, that difficult person you're thinking about, that control freak, that abusive, that, that person who you got to walk around on eggshells, that whiner and complainer. How many of you would like God to change their lives? Come on, everybody. God to change everything about them. I think your response to that has a lot to do with that. And I want to sort of wrap our time and how you deal with difficult people around a couple of characters in the New Testament. Particularly Jesus and his response to one of his disciples. Jesus has 12 close friends that he runs with. They're his connect group, by the way. If Jesus needs a connect group, you need a connect group. Come on, somebody. So he has this connect group that he runs with, and Peter is the difficult one in the connect group. There's always at least one difficult, loudmouth jerk. You know what I mean? And Peter happens to be a preacher, and he's the loudmouth. I don't think there's any correlation to that. I don't think that has anything to do with it. Anyway, so Peter preaches on Pentecost. Peter gets the keys to the kingdom. Jesus you know, anoints him. He's on this rock, what comes out of Peter's mouth. And the declaration that Peter makes about Jesus, I'm going to build my church. But Peter's a difficult person. And they have this relationship where Jesus and Peter kind of go back and forth about how I'm going to deal with you. Because your mouth gets you in trouble. As a matter of fact, it's so crazy. At, at, at the end of Jesus' life, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, 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 and you know what happens? Judas betrays Jesus and Peter, this loudmouth, difficult person. Like as soon as the Roman soldiers come up and they're ready to take Jesus away, Peter grabs a sword and lobs off a dude's ear, everybody. Jesus, at the end of his life, is like, this is how i got to go out, right? I'm going to have to clean up after you. He bends down, picks the ears up, and like, I could, like on his face, I'm like, and he puts this ear back on. I, like, he never says a word to Peter, but I can see him saying, here I am at the end of my life, and I still got to deal with your foolishness. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Pete, listen to y'all, Peter wasn't aiming for an ear. He was trying to cut the dude's heads off. You know what I'm saying? Like, Peter was wild. You know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And Jesus is still having to deal with this relationship. So Matthew 16 sort of tells the story. And I think it illustrates good the the response that you and I are to have to difficult people in our life. That Jesus and Peter are having this conversation and Peter tries to take control of Jesus. Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he's going to suffer. That he's going to give his life for them. That he's going to be raised back to life. And Peter is like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not going to do that. In typical Peter fashion, they sort of have this clash of this difficult person trying to control. I just I want to read it to you and show it to you. Matthew 16 and verse 22 starts like this. Peter took him aside, Jesus, and started to rebuke him. Probably one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament. Peter's like, I know you're God. Uh, okay, I get it, all that, but I, come here, let me help you just a minute. You know somebody wants to help you all the time, you know? Somebody's always trying to coach you. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this to try to help you. And I can see Jesus, again, with this face, just going, all right, come on, here we go. Here we go. And, and, and P- Peter's like, come here, come here. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I need to help you. And then he just, he, when he gets by himself, now he starts this control tactic. Never, Lord, he said, this will shall never happen to you. Not, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't know if this is going to work. Jesus, have you thought it all out? He just starts this controlling. This is not going to happen to you. I say no. Jesus turned and said to Peter, probably my second favorite passage in all of this, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And you don't have in mind the concerns of God. 
but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, now Jesus, that's the end of the conversation. Now he goes back to his disciples and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. Let me give you three things to how to deal with difficult people if you're taking notes today, which by the way, if you want to go to heaven, you have to take notes. That's in the Old Testament. So I'm going to give you, it's not, I've made that up. I'm going to give you three, three ways to deal with difficult people today in this uh, story. Here's the first one. Write this down. you got to know what you're called to do. Know what you are called to do. If you're going to deal with somebody in your life trying to control you, trying to be difficult to you, to, trying, to, to, trying to manipulate you all the time, you've got to walk around on eggshells. and what the, You've got to know what you are called to do. Jesus said, I know. This is why I came. I came to seek and save sinners. I came to give my life as a ransom for them. I came so that I would be killed, I would be buried, and I would be raised back to life. This is my calling. And nothing that this difficult person in my life can do is going to take me off of my calling because I know what I came to do. And if you're going to deal with difficult people in your life, you're going to have to establish what God called you to do. The other side of this coin is you're going to have to establish what God did not call you to do. I'm not called to do everything, everybody. Let, let me help you. Parents, listen, look at me right in the eyes. Quit telling your kids they can be anything they want to be. I want to be in the NBA. I want to help the Spurs right now. They're terrible. You understand me? Everybody's old and dead and gone. You know what I mean? I want to help. <laughs> I want to help them right now. But I'm five foot seven and a half-ish. I, I, there's just, I can't be everything I want to be. I can only be what God designed me to be. You got to decide what God designed you to do. What, what are you called to do? And when you do that, it makes your decisions easier when the difficult person comes in your life trying to control who you are, what you do, where you go, with, trying to manipulate you. If you know what you're called to do and what you aren't called, I'm not called to cure cancer, not the calling God gave me. I'm not called to be a missionary in Uganda. I like to eat too much. Come on, somebody. I'm just, I'm not, that's not what I'm called to do. Now, you, you, you may not be called in ministry, but you may be called to be the husband or the wife that you're in. You may be called to be the wife or the husband, the marriage that you're in. You're called to be the parent to your children. It doesn't have to be some big, grandiose curing cancer, but you are called to be that baby's mama, that husband to that wife. you got to know what you're called to do. Say amen to that, everybody. That's better preaching than you amen. You're, you're called to graduate school. Come on, everybody. You're, you may be called to go to college. Everybody here is called to serve in their church. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. Everybody's here called to witness at work. You're called to be a light and salt in the earth. Yeah, that's the calling God has for you. you got to know what you're called to do so that when that difficulty comes into your life, when that controlling person comes into your life and says, no, I want you to do it my way, this thing, go here, do that, then you can start making boundaries in your life saying, that doesn't fit into my calling. Listen to me, my first calling is to love my wife Brandy, not yours. I, I love you and your family, but I love her more than I love you. I, I, I want to help your marriage succeed, but mine can't fail in the process. I, I, I'm, called to, I'm called to lead my children. I, wa I, wa I want your children to be world changers. As a matter of fact, right now, they're training them to be world changers. I want them to raise up to love God with all of their heart, to serve their church, to, 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 to fulfill the calling God has in their life and change the world. But my first calling is to Hazel Lynn and to Henry Mitchell. I'm called to my children first. Yours are important, but not as important as mine. Because it's my calling. 
I'm called to them. Then I'm called to this church. I'm called to pastor this church. I'm called to pastor these people. You can come to me and tell me how your church did it, how everything was wrong where you came from or what everybody did. But God called me right here in this place, believe it or not, to a movie theater. Come on, everybody. This is where God called me. I know what I'm called to do. Now listen, when I get that calling right and in order, it makes all of the other decisions in my life a whole lot easier because I know what I'm called to do. So you can come into my life and try to manipulate, control, be difficult, tell me what's going to happen in my life. And if I'm secure in my calling, I can go, that's a good idea, but it's not what I'm called to do. Does that make sense to you? Say amen to that if it makes sense. Here's the problem. Write this down. It's not on the screen. The problem is I'm a people pleaser. And the problem is you're a people pleaser. Raise your hand if you're a people pleaser. Make me feel better. There you are. I know you are. I can usually pick you out in a crown. Because you always raise your hand when I tell you to. <laughs> uh, the rebels are like, no, I ain't trying to raise my hand. I ain't going to. I don't care what you say. I'm a people pleaser. Right? Now, this is going to be hard. This, I'm, I'm not going to hit you hard today. I, we'll get into some deep stuff next week. I just want to help you through this question. But this point is as hard as it's going to get. I'm going to punch you right in the face. You ready for it? Everybody take a deep breath. Write this down. People pleasing is a form of idolatry. You say, how in the world could people-pleasing be the same as worshiping other gods? Let me tell you. Because when you, when you desire to please people more than you do God, you put their opinions ahead of God's calling for you. You're literally telling God, the calling, the divine purpose, the thing you had for me before you formed me in my mother's womb is secondary to what everybody else thinks about me. Therefore, they are first. That, my friends, is classic idolatry. That I put your opinion above God's. That I put your, what you think my life ought to be above what God called me to do. And as hard as I want to, I want to please you, and as much as I want to say yes to everything, I, p- people pleasing is idolatry. Because I'm telling God, I, hear, I know that you called me, but that's secondary. I want to do what they want me to do first. My calling clarifies. Write that down. Calling clarifies you. It clarifies what I'm supposed to do. A lot of people have plans for your life. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people have plans for your time. You, you ever had anybody kind of tell you how your time's going to be spent? I need you back at 12. I, we've got a thing at 2. I need you to go here by 10 o'clock. I need you to go, come on, man, where you at on that? I know I'm not the only one that had that conversation. I need you here, there. Everybody's got plans for me, but listen to me. Look in my eyes. I, I determined a long time ago, I can't save everybody. I can't meet everybody. I can't hug everybody. I can't do everything. I'm called to love Brandy, Hazel, Henry, and City Hills. First and foremost, that is the calling on my life. And I have to fulfill my calling before I please you so that I don't put it in front of what God gave me. Does that make sense to you? Say amen to that. You know what you're called to do. It will create clarity in your life. But they're controlling people you know, that try to control who you are. Do you, know what, you know what one thing every controlling person has in common? Listen to me. You know what the one thing that every controlling person in your life has in common? Every controlling person has someone else who allows it. Every controlling person in your life has someone in your life, probably you, who allows them to. The person who does the controlling has the problem. Okay? But so do we if we consistently allow them to control us. we got to clarify our calling. Know what I'm called to do. Know what you're called to do. Does that make sense? Say amen to that, everybody. Write the second one down. you got to know what you're called to do, and you got to know when someone is trying to control you. 
Peter goes to Jesus and he says, no, you're not going to do it that way. You're not going to do it. Jesus says, hey, 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 this is what I'm called to do. This is what, this is, I, I, I'm, the Father sent me for this. I'm here to seek and to save. I'm here to give my life for a ransom, be buried. God will resurrect me. That, that is, that's my calling. Anything you say to me will not distract me from my calling. And then he recognizes, I know what's going on. Jesus says, this is what I must do. This is God's will. And Peter stands Jesus down and tries to take control. This is crazy. Now listen, there's only a few options here. Either Peter is the worst man who's ever lived and he hates God and he hates God's plan and and he's trying to distract Jesus from saving people or Peter's just trying to control because he thinks he knows better. Peter, Peter has already won sort of Jesus' jeopardy here. Come on, everybody. Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? And they said, you know, some think you're the prophet. Some think, and he said, who do you say that I am? And he said, I think you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, that, that God revealed that to you. You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that. God in heaven gave you that. God's revealed that to you. Now, Peter thinks that he now has a better plan for God than God does. And controlling people in your life, some of them, it's not malicious. They just think they got a better plan for your life than God does. Peter's like, Jesus, I hear you on all that. But remember when you told me that God revealed that to me? I think now I know what's best for you. Peter just didn't understand God's plan. You've got to recognize in your life, if you're going to deal with difficult people, you've got to recognize when somebody's threatening you. You've got to recognize when they're, they're putting guilt on you. Come on, let me help all the single people in the room. Listen to me. If they try to isolate you from your friends, that's the first clue. Let's go, I don't, I don't like hanging out with your people. I don't like hanging out with your friends. I don't like hanging out with your church friends. That's the first clue. They try to manipulate you. They try to, here's another one. I just, I'm just giving you some stuff to recognize. They try to rescue you. Oh, oh, you you need me. You were in a bad crowd. Honey, I'm here for you. Come on. I tried that. When you're ugly, you'll try everything. Come on, everybody. Some of you ugly dudes, you tried that. Now, you're married now. Quit controlling her. Come on, quit quit trying to manipulate. Because here's what happens, especially when you're single. Now you get in a situation where that person is trying to meet needs for you that they were never designed to meet for you. Only God can meet those needs for you. Value and affirmation and calling and purpose in your life. And now you've given them control in your life that they were never meant. You've got to recognize when somebody is trying to control you. And Jesus says to Peter, I, 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 I see what's happening here. And he does the third thing and write this down and we'll hurry. He does the third thing. and You've got to know when to draw a line in the sand. You've got to know when to say, this is it. This, enough is enough. Enough is enough. When you've got a difficult person in your life, you just got to, at some point, you've got to learn how to draw a line in the sand. Verse 23, Jesus turns to Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. Listen, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Get behind me. Let me just pause right here and tell you. You should try this next time your grandma makes you feel guilty. <laughs> Look her right in the eyes and go, Mama, get behind me, Satan. See what happens to you. I was raised in the South. My, my mamma would kill me, literally kill me. You hear me? Before you try to get a snack for dinner, look at your mama and say, Get behind me, Satan. I won't. I'm eating cake before dinner. See what happens to you. You get hit right in the back of the head. You won't be able to eat. My mom used to say, I'll slap the taste out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm country. <laughs> I'm country thug. Y'all got to know me. <laughs> he says, Get behind me, Satan. He just has enough. 
Sometimes you got to draw. Imagine, let me, let me just take you there. We're almost done. Imagine if Jesus was codependent like some of us. Imagine if his identity was based on how Peter thinks of him. Imagine if Peter manipulates him. Don't you do it, Jesus. If you do that, I will not be your disciple anymore, Jesus. You can do it, but I will unfollow you on Instagram. I'm, I'm not playing with you right now. I'm not kidding you. I will not be your friend anymore. I will not. And Jesus would say, okay, okay. I won't do it. I'll just do whatever you want. Just I don't want you to be upset. Come on, babe. Please don't do that. Come on, everybody. Anybody know what I'm talking about right there? Imagine if that was the, imagine if that was the conversation. But if you give control to a difficult person, God isn't directing your life. Somebody else is. And at some point, you got to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, I know, I know that you mean well, but you don't have in your mind God's plan for me. You have in your mind your plan for me. And I've got to cut you off. The best, some of you need a friendectomy. You know what that is? That's where you just cut for You gone, and you gone, and y'all gone, and you gone, and y'all gone. Come on, somebody. You just need to cut out some difficult people. Draw a line in the sand say, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to be everything God wants me to be. I love you, but you're not in charge. Say amen to that. Please don't go divorce your wife this week. Let's talk through it. Because some of you think I'm talking about her. I'm, I'm probably talking about you. Come on. <laughs> Write this down. The relationships that you have are a combination of what you have created and what you have allowed. The relationships you currently have in your life are a combination I'm going to get deep and spiritual next week, but, but this week i got to help you practically. You ask the question, how do I deal with difficult people? The relationships you've created in your life, look around. You don't like the people there? They're a combination of those that you have created on purpose and those that you have allowed in your life. Your marriage, you created that. None of you were in arranged marriages. My two kids will be, but so far none of you were. <laughs> Siblings, friends, co-workers. Your boss, your kids, you created those little monsters. Come on, somebody. You're raising them. They live in your house. I can't get my kids to do anything. Quit feeding them jokers. Especially if they're 22. <laughs> Hello. Time for you to get a J-O-B. You know what I'm saying? If they're not paying you for Fortnite, it's time for you to go ahead and go get you a job. That's a little side note. The relationships you have in your life are a combination of those that you have created or allowed. So, write this down. If you don't like what you have, change what you expect of people and what you accept from people. If you don't, if you don't like what you have, if you don't like the relationships in your life, the difficulty in your life, Change what you expect out of relationships. Some of you need to raise your standards. I'm giving you permission today to raise the bar. Some of you need to raise it a whole bunch, like a lot of rungs in your life. You just, you just take any old friend that'll call you back or write you back or date anybody that'll, that'll blink at you. Come on, somebody. You need to raise your bar. You can't get mad if, the, if your bar is way down here. Just anybody that'll call me, anybody that'll come see me. Listen, you're valuable. You're worth more than that. you got to raise that stand. I'm going to expect more out of people in my life. And I'm going to accept a whole lot less manipulation. Because I'm going to do what God called me to do. I want you to fix that relationship. You either are going to create healthy patterns in your life. Or you're going to allow unhealthy ones in your life. I want you to expect something better. I, I want you to tell, I will not accept disrespect. 
I will not accept you losing your temper and anger like that. I'm not going to accept that tone early on in our marriage. And by early on, I mean last week, Brandy and I had another conversation after almost 20 years together about tone. That's, that's real. You, because we, I, at some point, we got, we, got to, we got to communicate about what's that's not allowed. We can't do that. We, we can't talk that way. I, you, you're not allowed to throw a toddler fit. Come on, everybody. You're, you're not allowed to just throw your hands up if you don't get what you want and throw a fit like a two-year-old. You're 22, 32, 42, 62. You're not allowed to do that. I will not, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to change what I expect and what I'm accepting in this relationship. I love you, but I'm not going to allow you to heap a whole bunch of guilt on me. You're not going to keep threatening me with it. You're hurting me, and you may be doing it because you think you're helping me, but it's hurting me. And when helping you is hurting me, i got to let you go. i got to draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to bail you out this time. Here's a word for some of you. I'm not going to bail you out this time. I'm not going to keep, i got to draw a line in the sand. i got to change our dynamics. Is it difficult? Listen close. You bet it is. Look at me in the eyes. Is it hard? You bet it is. But God's called you to do this. It's hard to have these confrontations. It's also hard to live in a dysfunctional relationship. It's also, Brandy, amen, really loud on that. It's, it's also, <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest with one another. It's easy to point. It's easy to point when everybody else wants to control us. But, but maybe, maybe you battle the same thing. Maybe, maybe you're the difficult person. <laughs> Let me just tell you. God loves you, all your difficulty and all. And He's got a plan for your life. You know, the problem I have with this, listen, let me internalize this for a little bit for some of you. The same controlling problem that wants to control others wants to control my life. I want to play God in my own life sometimes. God, I know that you've got a plan, but I, I think i got a better plan. Come on. I, God, I, I hear that that's what you want from me, but I, you don't know. what. I, God, I think I make a better God than you do. <laughs> Look at me. You don't make a good God. Neither do I. You, you're going to have to just draw a line in the sand and say, Okay, God, I surrender. Here, here's what he finally said to Peter. Let me tell you guys how to deal with difficult people. He sort of looks at his disciples and says, Hey, 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 I'm called, to, I'm called to the crucifixion. I'm called to be buried and raised to life. I know Peter's wrong here. He's out of, he's trying to control me. I recognize it. I'm cutting that off. And then, and then here's what he says in verse 24. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple, let me help you. You're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross. If you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to accept that you can't be in control all the time. Some of you, that's where the struggle that you're at today is that you've tried to control not just everybody else, but your own life. I can fix this. I can heal myself. I can get out of this. And I just make it happen. I'm a hustler. One of the buzzwords of the 21st century is hustle. You gotta, you gotta, I just got to get up there and hustle. got to get up there and make it happen. The problem is you bring that hustle into your spirituality and now you negate your need for an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing God who knows better than you know. And the hustle becomes the control. And the hustle becomes lack of surrender to God's plan in my life. And you may be in the room today thinking, 
I don't know that I'm controlling everybody else, but I've been trying to fix me. I want you to know today that God loves you right where you are, but He loves you too much to leave you right there. He wants to save you and heal you and bring you out of that. But you're going to have to be willing. Whoever wants to be my disciple, you're going to have to surrender, deny yourself. Say, okay, I think I'll do it your way. I think I'll do it your way. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to surrender your whole heart to Jesus. Today's the best day for you to do that, as a matter of fact. But not just that. I think some of you need to take a next step. And I want to spend two or three minutes talking to you about that next step. Because some of you have surrendered your hearts to Jesus. You just have never gone further and made it public. You may be saved on your way to heaven. But you've never taken that next step and publicly identified with, Hey, I'm with Him. I belong to Him. He belongs to me. You need to be water baptized. and In the New Testament, water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. It doesn't make you married. It identifies you as married. But water baptism doesn't make you saved. It identifies you with a new... Let me give you three, let me give you three things. Today, what? Today, you need to be baptized. Today, you need to surrender control and say, Okay, God, I've done this long enough. I've tried to fix it on my own long enough. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the first one. You don't have to write them down. Close your Bibles. Just look at me in the eyes. When you get water baptized, the Bible says you get a brand new identity. Galatians 3 says it like this. Galatians 3 27 says that as many of us have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Like putting on a new set of clothes, one translation says. It's my favorite translation. That, that literally you get a new set of clothes. You know that first day of school when you walk in and you got them new shoes? You know what I'm talking about? Them new news. You know what I mean? Like, like new tennis shoes, bro. And growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. I got one new pair of shoes, but them jokes was right. You hear me? You feel like a million bucks that first week of school because you got new. Y'all used to know me as Mitch with the Bobos from 8th grade. Now I got these new kicks on. Look at these new shoes, everybody. I'd work all year long on shining them shoes up. Anybody else clean? I still clean my sneakers and tissues like that. Anybody do that? You can't roll in here with dirty shoes. That's nasty. You get a new identity and it changes everything about you. Listen, when you get water baptized, the Bible says you put on a new identity like putting on new clothes. Some of you have been identified by your past so long that you need God to transform you. You need a brand new identity. You need to put on Christ. When people see you, they don't see the old you. They don't see the you of mistakes. They see Jesus when they look at you. I have a friend who calls it putting on your Jesus jersey. You know what I mean? Like I'm on a new team now and I'm identifying with that team. Here's the second reason. You need to get baptized today. Today. You need to relinquish control of your life and say yes to water baptism. Because according to Romans 6 and 4, you get a brand new life when you're baptized. Romans 6 and 4 says that we are therefore buried with Him in baptism, with Jesus in baptism. And just as God the Father raised Jesus to walk in new life, that when you come up out of that water, you are raised to walk in a brand new life. Some of you, your old life has held you back. You're known as the liar, the cheat, your mistakes, shame and guilt has you held back and you need to be born again John 3 says you need a brand new life you get that when you come up out of that water you're buried with Jesus when Jesus was buried all the sins of the world past present and future were buried into that grave he walks into hell while he's dead he walks into the devil's 
own house, takes his own keys away, says, I'll be back in a little while. Three days later, the power of God resurrects him from the dead. He walks in a glorified body where he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Listen, you get a brand new life. When you, the, the same way Jesus was buried and resurrected, when you go down in that water and you raise up, you get a new life to walk in, no longer to be known by the own life. Oh, your sins are forgiven. One, one verse in Acts says that they're washed away. They're remitted, not just forgiven, they're washed away. Some of you need that. And here's the third reason. Everybody's standing all over the house. Everybody's standing. <laughs> here's the third reason you need to say yes today. Nobody move, just look at me. Team, just stay, stay, stay just for a second. People are going to make life-changing decisions right now. I don't want to distract you. You need to do it because you get a new identity. You need to do it because you get a new life. And you need to do it because there's absolutely no excuse. We have everything you need. Everything. Towels, check. I didn't bring no clothes. Got you. Dark t-shirt. Big dark t-shirt. Some of you think you're a medium. You need an extra large. Come on, somebody. Long dark shorts. We got, we got everything. Flip-flops. You just got your nails, your toes did. Don't mess them up. If you're a dude and you get pedicures, no judgment. We, you can wear flip-flops. Come on. We got hair stuff, dudes hair stuff, hair everything you, hair net, a shower cap. You just got your hair did, you ain't even got to get it wet. <laughs> the sin stays in your hair, but anyway, whatever. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Bad theology. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We got everything you need. I, my family's not here to see it. We got photographers. We'll send you all the pictures. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be real simple. Somebody's going to walk you through it. We're going to pray with you. Somebody's going to put you under the water and bring you back up. But your whole life can be changed for the better. Some of you, you are the controlling person. And you're not controlling others. You're just trying to control your own life. And today, listen to me. Today's the day you need to surrender your heart to Jesus completely.